Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Welcome back, everybody, for another episode. It's so good to see you. This is Leaders Alliance podcast, and we're glad to have you on board today. It's going to be a great day. Yeah, we have the biggest treat of our lives. Leif Hetland, um, we'll be speaking with him today. He's reached millions of people around the world. Literally, um, he just has favor and grace because of uh, what God has done in his life. He comes from strength to brokenness to a new kind of strength that's rooted in God's love that he has a life message about that opens doors to the nations. It's so good, you guys. Excellent. Yeah. So before we uh, introduce him, though, let's introduce Leaders Alliance. <laughs> leaders Alliance is a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are uniting together to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have a passion for helping you become the leader that God's called you to be, to connect you with others so that you guys can work together and cross pollinate for the kingdom, for the glory of Jesus, and also so we can strengthen the local churches. You know, many ministries that are focused on transforming our culture tend to forget about the local church. We believe the local church is the center. You may have heard about the whole seven mountains idea. Well, we tend to shy away from that analogy. We like a different analogy, which is that if we're talking about a tree instead of mountains, that there may be seven branches on the tree or 20 branches on the tree, but the church is not one of those branches. The church is the trunk of the tree. This is where the nutrients flow and where people move from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity so that they can actually bear fruit on all the branches and all branches of society. And so we're super excited about today because we have this amazing guest who's going to be joining us. So yeah, Leaders Alliance is across denominational lines. It's uh, We have members in all different kinds of nations around the world. And so it's um, we just invite you, if you're looking for a tribe of people to be connected with, we have online the ability to connect, something like LinkedIn, where if you're looking for a spiritual nutrient or if you're a business leader and needs strength and counsel in that area, you can look um, online and see who's there and what they have to offer or what you might be able to offer them. And uh, we meet weekly. We have people from all over come and teach, but we also break up into um, sessions where you can have a small group with people that are interested in growing in the same areas as you. So, um, yeah, if you're new to this, just come and check us out. Excellent. Well, now we have the privilege of bringing on board Leif Hetland. Leif, mm -hmm. could you come on board? Leif is a, an amazing friend. Mm -hmm. He is one of the voices, I believe, that will have significance increasingly in the body of Christ over the next se season because the message that he's carrying, I believe, from the Lord is a message that every single believer needs to partake of mm -hmm. and allow that message to transform their hearts and allow them to actually become the leader that God's called them to be. Yeah, there's very few people that, um, hopefully not very few people, but where their life runs all the way deep into, they're not different at home. They're not different in the pulpit. They're not different. Like Leif 
lives a life that bears fruit in just the sweetest, most powerful ways. He's a man that you can trust. Um, one thing I'd love you to mention today that we didn't get on our other uh, podcast, Leif, is just talk about your books, because I think oh, yeah. that people need to be able to find more information off the screen. And, um, and also we can get your website in there and um, let people, you know, have face to face with, with what you have to present. Absolutely. But let's begin. Just share, share a little bit about who you <laughs> hey, are friend. as we get started. And, and then we're going to just dive into some amazing topics. So come on. Come on. Uh, first of all, it is a great honor, Diane and Michael, to, to be able to just have this conversation together and just for you to invite me into your bigger family table and for me to be able to bring my little special sauce at a very yeah. big family table. And and we I just enjoyed this time earlier and got to hear from Diane a little bit about how we first met and kind of connected in the spirit. So it brought a big smile on my face because I had forgotten some of those details, but it's mm -hmm. it's beautiful just to see when, when God is using some of those kingdom connection. And I thought just even to start with, when you mentioned like the seven mountains and the tree, I love that analogy. And, and I'm also thinking often when we're looking at the kingdom as a healthy kingdom family, and that's what we are, healthy kingdom family. Then it's the same. I use the expression, if you have seven sons and daughters in a family context. Uh, so instead of that, the church is just another one. And you have this us against them. No, we are a family. So the church is actually a healthy kingdom family. And you maybe have seven sons and daughters that is, in a sense, have been entrusted. They are lamb on the inside, but they are lion on the outside. And it is so important when we're talking about we are not orphans that is going to climb these mountains, creating tipping points, and we're going to take over because we're living in an orphan world. And the orphan spirit that's sometimes in us, and I've learned, especially that some of the core value in a lot of our cultures, we're going to be a lion, and we're going to dominate, and we're going to come and take over, and we're forgetting about the lamb. And in the book of Revelation, I just was thinking about at least 24 times the lamb is mentioned. And in Revelation 5, the only time when the lion of the tribe of Judah that has overcome is showing up, then he looked a little bit further and that lion is becoming a lamb. Right. So I am not, a, I, I believe, yeah, I believe in the lion in the sons and daughters, but let us not show the world a lion if it doesn't come from the lamb's heart. So I was describing that even when I go to a lot of countries where the gospel is close, they're not afraid of my lion. They have a lion too. Somehow they don't know what to do with a lamb. So at least our sonship mm -hmm. and daughtership, let it be rooted in the lamb. The apostleship is built up on the lamb and the throne of the lamb. The ruling and reigning of Jesus for the universe is the lamb that is seated on the throne. So I think any ruling and reigning we want to do in life, the foundation needs to be in the lamb's nature. And that's why I think that humility is such a key and vulnerability. And what the lamb does is that I know what these people deserve, but could you place that on me so they can become free? That's one of the things that just, I'm so astonished by Jesus, the lamb. Uh, I believe in the lion and anyone that knows me knows that there's a big lion in this Norwegian. But, but for me lately, I've just been so overcome. I'm being so overwhelmed by the lamb. Wow. Well, let's hear your story. I mean, because you didn't just come up with this idea. This is something that's been worked into your life by the interaction with the Holy Spirit for, for decades. So share, share the story. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I I came from, Nor I'm, I'm from Norway. 
So that's my Norwegian background. Came from a very good godly home. But because of some pain, like a lot of us have in our life, when you have pain in your life, you're looking for something to medicate because pain seeks pleasure. And for me, because of some brokenness that happened in childhood that had nothing to do with family, I ended up from I was 13 to I was 18, like many people, a prodigal son. I turned away from my father's love and my family, and I went so far away from God as I could be. I was 18 years old as a suicidal drug addict when I met Jesus. And the beautiful part about Jesus, he saved me, he healed me, he delivered me. That's the good news. The bad news was that I was on the way, but I never had a home. The purpose for Jesus was not just to show us the way and the truth and the life, but brings us to the destination. So I had been saved from something. I just didn't know what I was saved to. And that journey of the destination to bring me home. So after I got gloriously saved, I ended up as a prodigal brother. Because now after what Jesus has done, I'm going to live for him. And I started going in on the performance treadmill. Didn't Mm -hmm. realize that it's part of the same tree the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I just went from the bad branch to the good branch. And people Mm -hmm. applauded it because in the orphan world, we give people applaud because the value system in the orphan world is what you do. And if you do, you will have. And if you have, that's how you become. If you have a bigger church or bigger ministry or more anointing. Mm -hmm. So that became part. And the sadness part of my story is that I became a very good prodigal brother out there serving but the father he had angels that could serve him day and night he didn't need serving i don't i mean we should serve so i'm not taking away from the servanthood but it comes from our identity it is not i don't get my identity by serving him i get my identity in being a beloved son and then dr randy clark many people have heard this story because he always talks about heidi baker and myself as two stories out of toronto where I was having incredible baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire experience, June 6, 1995. And this Norwegian Viking got changed. And then in the next moment, I started this journey where power came into my life. And for the next five years, there was also a lot of suffering because I started going into the darkest places in the world that was prophesied over me. And by the time I got to the end of 1999, I used to be very strong and I can do this and going into the darkest places, bold, <laughs> courageous. Here's what I'm doing for him. I'm giving my life for Jesus. And then at the same time, deep on the inside, had all these love deficiency. All I had been looking for and longing for was to hear the word well done. But it didn't matter how much I did. I never did enough because there was a little voice because I was restless on the inside because the orphan heart in me is that I still have to do more, to have more, to become more. And I didn't know that until I had a baptism of love experience where I met the father, the same papa, the same father that Jesus had. I met him and I had the same voice that Jesus had in Matthew three seventeen, where he says, Leif, you're my beloved. You're my beloved son whom I love and whom I am well pleased. And at that moment, my root system and my foundation changed. It was like the liquid love of God went back into me and my mother's womb to the 12-year-old that was abused. Through my whole love just went in. The liquid love of the Father just went in. And when that voice says, I am well pleased with you, there was something that shifted that started a new journey. I am no longer just a orphan or a servant or an apostle I'm a son. I am a beloved son. And finally, I have a father. I have a home. I have a family. 
and I started this beautiful journey of learning about family. And that was December of 1999. And that's been almost 23 years now on a journey that is leading me from love instead of towards love. <laughs> yes. Gosh, that's so good. You know, I'm I'm thinking this whole message. You said that you were raised in a in a godly family, but but you were a prodigal. We really we really come from a place that family is the basis of church. It's the basis of health in um, bringing health into culture and society. How how would you recommend to parents? with their own children, pastors with their spiritual children, fathers and mothers in the faith. How do we approach this, Leif? How, do, how are we going to turn the orphan spirit globally? How do we conduct ourselves in doing that? Now, I think that uh, we, we need to become healthy, first of all. And sometimes mm -hmm. that is a process to allowing, because when there is love deficiency in our life, there is God deficiency. And we do not know because deception is very deceiving. So we think because of, we maybe have success on the outside, like one of the pastors uh, that is a good friend of mine, he, he experienced the same question, but the same message that I was sharing. He said, Leif, I build an orphanage with 3,000 orphans, and we called it success. Yeah. But he said, I was dysfunctional and I used fear. Fear was my motivating factor. But that was reflected in my marriage. That was reflected in my children, reflected in my leadership model. And we created this orphanage that we call church, he said. But mm -hmm. I didn't know. I didn't know. So when he experienced the baptism of love, he started a journey. And that's been my journey. It's not something that just happened, but it's a journey of starting even to repent. So I started to go back where when I had misrepresented love, I misrepresented God into my marriage, into my children, and brought humility and vulnerability. You're going in and, and we're cleaning up some of the messes that we make mm -hmm. because when I don't do enough, nobody else does enough. And I know even my own children many, many times felt that. They could feel this thing because I lived in this performance mm -hmm. world. And then mm -hmm. as a result, everybody also had to perform for love because that's what I had to do. So I think the first thing for us is just put some humility and vulnerability and just that opens up and starts to build some connection and bridges. But I also think in the next moment that we moving from being orphans to becoming sons and daughters, uh, because even to try to father and mother without first having the spirit of sonship and daughtership, where we say Abba, Father, learning to be fathered by Papa God as a beloved son and daughter. Sons mm -hmm. and daughters moves into maturity and they become friends. So like my kids are grown now, they are my friends. So you say, mm -hmm. I no longer call you servant, I call you my friends. And that moves into become, you become healthy fathers and mothers when we can be healthy sons and daughters. So my focus is still, I had a spiritual father that for 22 years last year, he went to be with the Lord, Jack Taylor. Mm -hmm. I made sure because about 16, 17 years ago, around the time when we met, I, I have shared a story. I had all these shipwrecks where my apostleship, leadership, stewardship, friendship, all my ship got shipwrecked. I had some big ships, but they needed to be shipwrecked. And the only one that survived was the tiny little bo boat called Sunship. And mm -hmm. that's where the dove found its resting place of being a son. That was the secret of Jesus. So I started, first of all, with Papa God to be a son like Jesus, led by the Spirit. 
but also towards Papa Jack. And including now, when you are interviewing me, the first thing I do, if that's towards you, I lead with sonship. How can I be a son to Diane and Michael? Even to my spiritual sons and daughters, I do it. Mm-hmm. So when I go to the Philippines to destiny, I'm not coming in. I'm the spiritual leader. I'm the apostle. No, even if I'm a spiritual father to a movement, and I, we have about a dozen movements around the world, I'm coming in with a spirit of sonship. How can I serve them? That is my posture, my heart, my, and including Muslim leaders, Muslim imams. And it's fun. If you had seen on my phone, I had some of the top influential Muslim leaders that call me Papa Leif. I never oh, asked them to call me Papa Leif. I'm oh, just me. focused on being such a son to them that they call me Papa. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and the voice tells them. And I knew Joseph was such a son to Pharaoh, became a father to Pharaoh. Jesus was such a son to his father. Until also a child is born, sons are given. The increase yeah. of government, that peace is up on the shoulder of given mm-hmm. sons and daughter. He shall be called wonderful. Then the counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. So wow. this whole progression you see there, I feel is so beautiful. So for me, there's rest when I get to be a son. Then I can be a healthy person and then i can have a healthy marriage and then be a healthy father and hopefully soon be a grandfather but also spiritual father to the people that's at yeah. least for me the resting place is back in the identity yes. and then out of that identity intimacy as a son first of all to the father to jesus to the holy spirit family of heaven but then being related to people so everywhere i go i position myself as a son towards people because then the other ships has to just, if they need an, yeah. a leadership afterwards, let that ship follow the sonship. But I lead with a sonship before any other ship. That's when I find rest. And I feel pressure as soon as my they introduce, oh, we have this big apostle, or we have, I feel this. Now I feel I need to perform. That's <clears throat> putting this expectation. But when I'm just a son with a dove, then I find freedom. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, <laughs> if you're viewing this this podcast and you're not familiar with who we are, you know, we're part of a ministry that really values the Father Heart of God and values the eradication of the orphan spirit in our culture. And so what Leif is hitting on right now is really at the very core of our DNA as a movement. And and again, but we're all in process. I'm still in process of understanding. And, and even as I've heard some of your story, Leif, you know, you you had this revelation, this liquid love, this understanding that really re, it shifted your foundation. But then life still was hard afterwards at times. And you had to, in a sense, learn this on deeper levels. Okay. Could you address that a little bit? Like, you know, to the viewer who's watching right now and said, well, I went to a Father Heart conference five years ago. I received the revelation, but then, gosh, I have been, had a hard time appropriating it fully. How can they keep growing in this revelation? Yeah, I, I think that the important for me first is to continue to receive the love. But the second part of my journey, and I'm actually in a journey on this, it's kind <clears> of a going from being a multitude to become 72, to become 12, to become three, to become one. Yes. John loved John the way that Jesus loved John. So I've been in this journey of, it was not just the glory realm of Peter, James, John, or what the 12, the family or the apostolic they got to have, or 72 signs, wonders, and miracles of the multitudes. But coming in, John was entrusted to take care of Jesus' mama, Jesus' mother. Why John? Identity, identity. John loved John the way Jesus loved John. So he went from being a lion to become a lamb. Let's get fire from heaven to stop the ones that don't receive you. That used to be me. 
that I've been on a journey to go from the multitudes to be entrusted with more. And I don't think it is just a John. I think for every single one of us, the heart of the Father is for us to experience what John experienced with Jesus. And I just learned recently, if you had to ask me the question, Diane and Michael, Leif, who do you want to be like? Who, who, who do you admire the most in Scripture? In the New Testament, it would be John and David in the Old Testament. But if you say, who are you the most like? I would say Peter. But there's so many things I don't like about Peter. And I look in the mirror. I don't like about myself. But I saw just recently that Peter also experienced when Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? The three, do you love me? He had built a fire, coal of fire. What did he do? There was breakfast with Jesus on the beach. I think that's what he's doing for all of us in this season. And that was just recently. I just mm. came home from Afghanistan and Pakistan, had a bicycle accident, and I'm mm. sitting there kind of a whining again. <laughs> and then he says, Leif, do you love me? And I'm like, hey, I just received the International Peace Award as an ambassador <laughs> of love. And now you ask me if I love you. But I know he's not asking the question because he lacks the answer, but he wants me to see what he is seeing. And then he takes me back again. And that's what he did with Peter that day, the worst day of Peter's life. He built a coal of fire. The only other time in the Greek that happened was when he denied Jesus three times. Yeah. That was the only other time. That was the connection. So before Pentecost fire, we have been looking for going to the Pentecost fire. But we have to deal with this fire, the flames of love. And Jesus is not doing this as a condemnation. But there was still something with Peter. Actually, the verses before, you see that Peter went back to fishing again. And a lot of people right now, they would like to go back to fishing again. Why would we try after three resurrection experiences? People, part of the Father loves you, Foreman. I was part of that in the earlier days with James Jordan and, and with Jack Frost. And so in the earlier days of Toronto. But I think also some we could stay put there where I realized that there was, there was more than I experienced. And one of the things lately for me is when he says, do you love me? And the tree, do you love me? And he takes you back to even the worst day of your life. And at that moment, he's, and then he colors the future. This is how I see you. But you have not yet seen you the way I see you. That's what Jesus was doing. So he's healing his shame, fear, and guilt. Where there's so many people watching here, there's something in you. You could go try to go back to fishing again. Last time he got fishing and he left the fishing is when he had this encounter and he experienced the lordship and we've been on this journey with jesus but the fatigue level in his life sometimes the fatigue leads to fear leads to failure leads to forsaken so he's been on this journey that mm. the very thing he would never wanted to do he did and jesus wow. that day brings him back to those poems he heals his past and said this is who you are this is who i've always seen you to be and the love goes in and shows. And I think that's what he wants to do with all of us. I believed in you, even when you didn't believe in yourself. Even yeah. the best that you said, I will never deny you. And you deny me three times. But I see something different in you. And he describes the way Peter one day is going to die. That's what he describes in John 21. He said, I see a bold. I see a courageous. That's what he's doing for me in this season. He said, Leif, I know that you have had some issues and I know you're looking at your past, but let me show you what I saw the very day before you, even before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you and I predestined you in love, Ephesians 1, 4. I've always known this about you. This is what I love so much about you. And he starts to speak into our identity, what he sees about us. When we can see ourselves the way he sees, love ourselves the way he loves, say about us what he says, 
then suddenly mm-hmm. we're going to experience in the freedom and we can start to stepping into the Pentecost and to the very next fire that he has for us so that we can burn brightly without burning out and becoming who we are. So that day Peter changed. John had it. Yeah. And John got it. But that day Peter got it. And as a result of Pentecost, now there was no longer that fear. It was no longer the shame. The culture around didn't shape him. He started to shape the culture. And so you good. see a different Peter after that encounter. So there's always more. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so I would like to just switch gears a little bit and ask so you have literally been in um, gatherings of hundreds of thousands of people over and over and over again. And you've had the, um, the distinct honor to lead, I, I think, over a million people to the Lord. What is that like, Leif? How, like, okay, somehow God opened up a door that opened up other doors that got you on a stage in front of millions of people and you preach the gospel. What what does that story look like? What is What are the roots of that? No, I, I think that the, the blessing of that is that there's been this uncommon favor. But then uh-huh. also, how do, I, how do I steward favor? So everywhere I go, my, I've dedicated my life for everyone to know how good Papa God is and how loved they are. I want everyone to know a God that looks just like Jesus. So we do these big citywide events. I've done about 29 of them, big wow. citywide events. What we're doing, if you can call it healing crusades or healing meetings, but we've done it throughout the Middle East and Africa and Southeast Asia, Cuba, all over the world. But part of my heart there is because when you have favor on a higher level, it gives you a grassroots opportunity to be able to share with the multitudes and to be able and there we often with signs wonders and miracles power evangelism uh, is what we do is for people and uh, just recently actually i went into an unreached area and for 10 years we had been in the preparation for this but it was one girl with her her legs was twisted deformed and jesus just straightened that out it was not just to have miracles but to have key creative miracle but what i didn't know also she was born blind so when she came over she squeezes my nose i have a little video of it it's the cutest little thing she's four year old little muslim girl and she squeezes my nose but then to see the environment is changing when they are recognizing the lame people walking the blind people seeing cancers disappearing and then you get to preach this good news there's someone the one that you just experienced i cannot heal anybody that is someone that's here that loves you so much. And I describe the good news, the gospel, and preach the gospel to them. So sometimes you demonstrate it, then you preach it, share it. Other times you preach and teach it, and then you demonstrate that gospel. So I've been able to do that now since 1995, since Dr. Randy Clark prayed for me. I think it's a little bit different the way I do it now than it was It's genuinely now such a love I have for the people that suddenly everywhere, I mean, we're planning the next one. And now the biggest joy for me is now while we are talking today in 22 countries, I have other people doing it. So it's no longer what I do. Now I want my ceiling mm-hmm. literally to be the floor of other people because I, I want everyone in the world to experience what I have done, the spirit of adoption. I don't want them to be orphans. John 14, 18 is one of my key verses that he says, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. And the majority of the world's population are living like orphans, and they do not know 
the Father's love, that a God that loves this world so much. They're experiencing a God that does not look like Jesus. And I want everyone to experiencing a God that looks just like Jesus, experiencing mm-hmm. a God like Jesus to ordinary people like you and I that can represent him well. Yes. Wow. Well, it brings to mind a, the, the passage. It says, you have many teachers, but not many fathers. And where there's orphans, there's no fathers. And so in the body of Christ globally, there's a lack of fathers coming forth to redeem orphans in their own churches, n- not to even mention the world. How are, how, how are we to call fathers forth? How, how do you see this happening? Because that is going to be a part of the key to revival, don't you think? I definitely believe so. Uh, I think that one of the biggest reasons we have very few fathers and mothers, like yourself, uh, when when we start to describe this, I have people standing in line in churches just to go, would you be my spiritual father? <laughs> I, I mean, that's because there's such a hunger out there for family, for mm-hmm. finding your place at the family table. So as a result of that, what I believe is the reason we don't have many healthy fathers and mothers is because very few has been willing to be sons and daughters. So for me, I believe that healthy sons and daughters, we need a sonship and daughtership movement and sons and daughters becomes fathers and mothers. So my heart, I've said to many people, uh, it's not okay if I can get somebody to be my spiritual father. What that's going to do is it's going to lead to disappointments. So if that's people think it is a Randy Clark or a Heidi Baker, if it's going to be you. But for people that are coming in and say, how can I be a son and a daughter to you? When we're starting from that point on, uh, that's the biggest joy of my life. That was the joy of Jesus' life is to be such a son to his father, to reflect who the father is, the sonship message and the daughtership. So for me, it's first to help orphans to go from orphans to be sons and daughters, moving them into maturity so we can become healthy sons and daughters. And the beautiful part of that now, and I almost cry when I talk about it, but now, all over the world, I see healthy spiritual fathers and mothers, just yes. including my own, that is much healthier than I am. And I could point all over the world, these people that both in their natural family, spiritual family, are raising up a healthy environment that is changing the environment because we have a whole new generation. Like I, I when I started to go with the Philippines to raise up spiritual sons and daughters 16, 17 years ago, the kids that has been born after that, for them, the supernatural is natural. For them, it's strange to not see people coming out of a wheelchair. They are living in revival. They don't know anything else than revival. And when I'm there, I remember those small little children. They laid on the top of me, soaked me with their tears as they were bringing me into the presence. But those are the ones I'm learning from now, which would be my spiritual grandchildren in that sense. So if you have three generations, we can shift cities and nation. Where you have grandmas and grandpas, fathers and mothers and sons and daughters. But I think the starting point, if we can learning to go first, have an experience with his love, go from being orphans to be sons and daughters, and then moving into maturity, becoming friends of God, becoming co-laborers. And then we're going to see a whole movement of healthy fathers and mothers. And we're going to have to have that because God doesn't want a billion orphans. He wants a billion new sons and daughters. And the only reason he's waiting for that is because he wants healthy family to be put in place. That's so wow, good. that was that was that, that was, was such a good answer. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that you know we've been working on with Pastors Coach for this last season, which is one of our ministries that we have, is really helping churches to shift 
from being, well, we, we have three kinds of churches, fantasy, factory, and family. Okay. <laughs> church is kind of the orphanage. It's where we, we work harder and harder and harder to produce an outcome. Uh, you know, one of the things that we're teaching is that the difference between fa factory and family is that a factory exists for the benefit of the owner, but family exists for the benefit of the next generation. And, and unfortunately, this shift is, even though we use family language in a lot of churches, we're still not doing family at the level you're talking about. And so, you know, we're trying to, in a sense, be a voice for that same outcome. Um, how would you see that? Like, in other words, you go to a church and a church is either just going through the motions or it's become kind of controlling and, and sort of more orphanage based. How would you speak to a pastor to say, okay, we need to shift. This is how you shift. Step one, step two, step three as a pastor. Now, first of all, I think that one of the lessons I learned I wanted to look a little bit at history. It's like if you saw the prophetic movement, that you saw a lot of abuses in the prophetic. You can yeah. also see now, what I, when I started to share this message some 22 years ago, there was all this fear. And I learned about the shepherding movement because some of the abuses. But I had yeah. the honor of meeting a couple of the people involved, Bob Mumford, Charles Simpson. So I've had that. And I remember I was sitting with Bob Mumford at the hospital in Asheville. And I asked him the question because these big five fathers but he yeah. said we were all fathers but we were not sons Ooh, that's good and i still remember that statement that was done and i know that this has been so much of a key you mentioned peter young who's connected to our spiritual family then bridgeway but also the rock church so we have been similar with your journey i just talked to carlitos when we were in brazil that mm -hmm. is going through this transition and change so where I'm seeing that weakness that we see, say pastors or apostles, whatever ship we want to, when they are coming in, and then in the next moment, what I mean we want sons and daughters as family is for our benefits, but it is still a fear-based culture and self is in the center of it, which is very different than what we are communicating and sharing. So I'm just saying that the tendency then when people, can you teach my staff to be sons and daughters to me? Is what often leaders is coming in, meaning I'm on the top of this thing instead of, so often what I say is to apostleship, including I've, I've spoken to the US Cal, United States Council of Apostolic Leaders, I brought in there to make sure the sonship goes before othership. That's mm -hmm. how you get the safety. So in the sense of, but then the next thing is, what does healthy kingdom family look like? What does it look like in a culture? Instead of the independence, it becomes interdependence. What does it look like instead of orphans compete with one another, but sons and daughters complete one another? Where we mm -hmm. celebrate one another instead of tolerate one another. So we started to describe from a grassroots movement, from somebody being born again, coming into the family, to eventually then not being orphans, but eventually having an experience first of all would love themselves that is so important for me because if not if they have these love deficiency they will always have god deficiencies so making sure that also that there is a place where you have a healthy family but creating then if you say discipleship sonship daughtership that are moving into maturity in those roles so that you're creating healthy spiritual fathers and mothers and i think that the operator the culture honor within this family even with some of my spiritual sons and daughters, they think that I am in charge, but it's not the way that 
operating system is operating. I believe it is honor-based. The Father honors the Son. Son honors the Spirit. Spirit honors the Son. Son honors the Father. So you see this flow. It's called the culture of honor. And honor is what love looks like. So in a family context, I don't want to do something. There's discipline, but there is not punishment. So what I'm doing is discipline is not the same as punishment. I, I love the two times Papa Jack disciplined me, but it is pruning for the purpose of fruitfulness. So when I'm going into a church, say the rock, and they're moving in from a more, you can call it a seeker-friendly, spirit-filled church into a family, it started just with the basics of a baptismal love experience, getting the paradigm of the operating system, how it was between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and how they honor and they operate together. Bringing that into a leadership, how we start, if that's a five-fold leadership, if all of them are coming from a sonship perspective, meaning as the foundation, that it yeah. flows from identity, that we're not orphans competing one another, but we start to recognize this is what I honor about the evangelist or the pastor. Or here, I need these other four. And then you start to equipping a whole body to be both evangelistic and pastoral, like caring, and for people to step sons and daughters into what God has called to be. So for that shift that starts to take place, and it's beautiful now to watch the transformation. And it's been a, it takes time. As you probably see, if, especially if you've had a good factory model, how to moving into a healthy family, especially in society when we do not even know in the natural how to have a healthy family and have been such an attack. So how does this look like in the marriage? How does this look like in regard to the family of families? How does it look like in a city where we also how we relate now to other places based upon the family paradigm that we have? So I know that we could spend probably 10 hours of that, the whole process of taking that seed of family to becoming a tree of family with fruit to eventually becoming a forest and the multiplication of that. Oh, that's such a good analogy. Well, let me ask you here so people can connect with you. Is there a book or a series of books that you would recommend or um, maybe a way to connect with you? You probably have live teachings that you do that people could find on YouTube or on your website or something. Because people obviously need to be discipled by in this, you know. Yes. Yeah, I have written 12 books uh, in this journey. And one of the recognized one is Healing the Orphan Spirit. And this has been used by a lot of different churches and ministry. But primary thing is, let's have an orphanectomy. Let's yeah. Let it, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, because it, we're living in, in, in a, an orphan world. The latest book I did is called The Love Awakening, that a little bit of what we have been dreaming about together. And I know a lot of the audience. I believe the next reformation that is coming. And I wrote this during the covid season where I saw that, wow, we need some upgrades and love with what's going on politically, but I see what's going on and the attack that was going on as our city was on fire, but this new love awakening, the Agape Reformation, that I think is going to be bigger than the first Reformation, grace, second power, Azusa Street was a birthing point. This one is going to be love, and that's how the world is going to see who we are because they're going to experience it. The family is going to be restored back again. So that book is about that. Uh, I also wrote one smaller one called Baptism of Love that would also just yeah. helping people to go through the process to have an encounter with love so that we can become love because it's very hard to give something within first receive. And there's a few other books that people can just look for as well as we have a uh, 
uh, we're taking people through similar like you do a, a master class one is called blueprint for kingdom identity where we take people on a 12-week journey from a seed of love to become a tree of love the process including some coaching in that encounters but it is a 12-week kind of intensive where pretty much what i did with 400 people in the philippines that transformation we talked about the whole shift how can we intensify that in 12 weeks and we took about a thousand people through that in the last season. Wow, and the fruit, the fruit of it and the revival of that that is happening in marriages, in businesses, in churches has been, I mean, it, I never thought it would be possible using uh, technology. And so right yeah. now I'm, I'm not so nervous. I got healed from my technophobia in that process. <laughs> that is so wow, good. That's so good to know. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> if you're watching today, we really want you to tune into Life's Ministry. Um, we all, we just put up the uh, the link to his website, and we'll put it up again. But we also want to encourage you to consider becoming a part of uh, Leaders Alliance because Leaders Alliance is really designed to help you become the leader you're you're called to be. But really, having Layfon is reminding us and reminding all of us together that you cannot achieve a healthy destiny without a healthy identity. In other words, if you do not have that revelation of sonship, if you have not had an orphandectomy, <laughs> you're not going to be able to really step into the fullness of who God's created you mm -hmm. to be. Yeah. You know, Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained mm -hmm. that you would walk in them. And that's why we created destinyfinder.com was to help you do that. But we don't want you to just launch into your destiny without first settling into the foundation of identity as mm -hmm. sons and daughters. God. And then you can begin to move through community and maturity and responsibility ultimately into the, the fruit of destiny. Because again, family, and maybe you can comment on this, you know, Psalm 127, that a man like with uh, arrows in his quiver takes those arrows and shoots them farther than he can go. And that's like the sons mm -hmm. and daughters. Mm -hmm. So fatherhood is not just about helping somebody belong. It's about helping somebody become. How yeah. do you see the relationship between those two aspects as we release the father heart into churches? And, and the blessings that I've seen is like my own life. I'm like an arrow, <laughs> one of those arrows. What, what sharpens my arrows and what dulls my arrow? And mm. That's been one of the things. What is some of my gainers and my drainers? Making sure my alignment, the arrow need to be straight to be able to hit its assignment. Right. And so as, so as soon as people are getting into my identity message, eventually it ends up in the destiny. But for me, it's four simple questions. Who are you? Identity, identity. Then where are you? Intimacy, intimacy. What do you have? Meaning everything that Jesus paid for from identity, intimacy is called inheritance. So that you're living from inheritance, not towards it. And then destiny. What is your special sauce? What is your uniqueness? What is your calling? Destiny, destiny. Then we're preparing those arrows in the alignment and then to be able to target that for the assignment, but also how to sharpen those arrows. And the blessing for me is also similar what both you and Diane have been able to do. I have some of these sons and daughters right now that some you've been in a 16-year process, some you've been in a 10-year I mean, one of them, they planted over 500 churches from wow. this new par paradigm. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, uh, so I realized things that took me 20 years or other the scars that I have. I see a whole generation. 
they don't have to have the same scars as I do. And that's the blessing of having spiritual parents. And so I, I appreciate who you are and both for Leaders Alliance and for what you're making available. I saw a fruit of your ministry, and I don't know, I didn't get to share that before, but I was in Brazil. And when Carlito started to share, he did one session. I spoke at the voice of the apostle. And I just started to weep. And I realized, what is this? He's describing this thing that has been in me for 22 years, but I'm seeing it. And he's describing it. And later on in our conversation, both of your name came up. I said, when did you start with his language? I said, when Diana Michael came into my life. So he talked about from the mm-hmm. Saddleback experience, what Randy Clark brought. But he says, now we're moving in. If you're using not just a factor, but I saw hope for the nation. I saw hope for the unreached area because I saw if you're talking about 52,000 arrows, wow. that yeah. is heading towards their assignment. Now you start to, I can start to see they are not orphans that is going to take over this mountain. And now I see sons and daughters that are coming in, in a family context, that creation is moaning and groaning to see being manifested. And that's happening right now. Yes. Wow. No. And I, I believe that that's something that, uh, you know, when, when you texted me from Brazil, you know, I felt obviously honored by the text, but I also just felt like there's something here in the spirit that God wants us to collaborate on. Like that, the, mm-hmm. that there's a, a whole set. I mean, I've been to several of your seminars. I've, uh, you know, I've been exposed to you and followed you on, on social media. I've been impacted by you so much mm-hmm. and, and this message that you carry. And I, I just feel like it was about maybe two months ago I was praying and I felt like the Lord just said something that you just confirmed, which is that this next wave, this next outpouring, this next awakening is going to be a love awakening. It's going to have the fingerprints of God's love on every aspect of it. That's going to be the distinguishing marks of this next wave. And, and I feel like something like I want to, I want to draw from you for that. <laughs> so I, I really yeah. want this, this uh, connection to continue. Yeah. Amen. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I I think that, um, you know, I've seen something here in the town where we live, where a lot of people go out on what they call treasure hunts, and they, they maybe get a word of knowledge, and then they approach a person, and they may pray for them or encourage them, but they never mention Jesus, or they never mention, and I, I absolutely believe that. I was a girl that was my my first ministry experience. I was raised up in YWAM and Dilaram Ministries. And, um, you know, it, it, there's something in me. And I'm, I'm just wondering if it is a part of an orphan thing. Will we, because you talked about not leading with a hook. Or loving with a hook. Or yeah. loving with a hook. Um, mm-hmm. But on the other hand, there's... There's a pressure that, you know, how can they, how can they know unless a preacher comes, unless they can hear? Um, could you just address that? Because I do think it's a friend, like a, a lot of people say, well, I'm, I'm a friendship evangelist. I'm not leading out with my faith. I'm not getting to the trump card in the first, but sometimes they never get around to um, talking about. Sharing the actual gospel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like. Yeah, because I I feel I feel both I can go both ways. But what is yeah. your opinion about that? Now I think the same with me. Often on the grassroots movement, I will be very quick 
in regard to sharing the message. So when I'm meeting someone and so that would be very, it, it doesn't take long time before I share about the lover of my life and what changed my life and including what I do here, share my story. Sometimes when I'm meeting with leadership on a pretty high level, it takes some time to win some trust with them in regard to, so as a result of that, I'm asking the wisdom of, yes. of how to be able to present the gospel. So especially for me, if I work with governmental official that I do or leadership on a very high level, then at that moment, I'm also one of the first to win the trust element. And then I'm asking consistently for the timing of it. Like there was one person I had a word that it was another three years before I was able to. And he is a very influential leader. And that, that was the timing of just the process right. I did, the preparing the soil. I planted seeds consistently and clear about the seeds I planted. But it took another three. It's like they become pregnant with the message. Yeah. But I waited. I didn't. I wait for nine months before I birthed that baby. I didn't want prematurely mm -hmm. to birth that baby. So, the, often on the grassroots movement, I'm ready on a to somebody very clearly, and I'm very maybe upfront. People think I'm maybe a little bit too rough there as an evangelist. But I just I don't want anyone to perish. So that side mm -hmm. on a grassroots movement. But often when it comes to me discipling nations and having a calling to influence influencers, that often I I have learned the wisdom of also to take my time with people to build a trust, but also on the other side, when people on a higher level then are receiving this gospel, the ripple effect that has is on a different level. So for me, it's not one or the other. It is both. I am very clear that love is in the front, but I don't stop with the love. Power and wisdom shows up. So I'm saying the conversion of those needs to be one. So you don't see the different. I'm saying that if I have love and coming and give people love, it is like for me to going in there and, and let me give you a medicine without the cure. I mean, without you have stage four cancer and I can love on you, but if I don't deal with a cancer, the person is still dying of cancer. That's why you speak the truth in love. So that's why I say grace without truth is actually meaningless. But truth without grace is mean. But uh -huh. you bring grace and truth together, it is medicine. So wow. the major thing for me is just making sure that I can give you diagnosis to have cancer. But I also need to have the cure for the cancer. But to come and say to somebody that without telling them what is the disease and me to sell the cure, that's kind of a give them the love without the truth. But we have to sometimes first, you speak the truth in love. So if I give you this bottle, the water is in the bottle. I speak the truth in love. It in love. It is wrapped in love when the truth comes. That's where my highlight is. I feel that some people that are not representing him well. It is a God that loves these people so much. We're not come because we're angry or that's why I speak the truth in love. I connect with people. I love you. I genuinely love you. That's my motivation. And as a result of that, I have a cure. But I want to deal with the people's issues, not and get to the root issue of that. The truth sets you free, not the love sets you free. Knowing the truth sets you free. Mm -hmm. So. I, I think that love is very important, but it's not. it doesn't stop there. It needs to have the power and the wisdom. And if not, all I do is showing you how wonderful and how loving and kind you are. But if I don't have the empowerment to do something with what people are struggling with, that becomes the next thing. And wisdom. That's why I'm saying the conversion. I'm not giving you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind where wisdom flows from. So what does it look like for sons and daughters? Full of love, power, and wisdom. That's kind of my thing. Sons and daughters full of love, power, and wisdom. Oh, Those wow. together in evangelism, that, mm. that sets people free. That's so good. That is excellent. Well, you know, our the title of our 
broadcast today is leading from sonship. And you've done a great job of talking mm -hmm. about sonship as one of the principal dynamics of leadership that ultimately if we can't, and, and one of the things that, you know, maybe we'll end with this because we need to wrap up in the next 10 minutes or so. But the first time I met you, you actually, uh, you know, Diane told the story in our hub gathering, but, but you know, you were invited to sort of uh, come in on a lunch that we had been planning with somebody else for a long time. We didn't know it was you. Um, you came to the lunch and we were sort of initially sad, but then overjoyed because you had such a prophetic input into our lives. We didn't even time. know who you were at that yeah. point. <laughs> it was probably 15 years ago or something. And, and uh, but anyway, you spoke about alignment as a leadership principal. And you had just talked, you shared a testimony of you coming into relationship with your spiritual father, Jack Taylor, and how that literally adjusted everything. It's like once you aligned yourself with him, I, I guess maybe you were struggling with some, like a, a little independent streak or something like that. And you came into alignment there. And literally it's like you described it as, as if dominoes were falling. Mm -hmm. uh, that the people that you had been ministering to that were, looking to you for leadership came into alignment with you almost supernaturally. There was something that you touched that brought a harmony to your ministry. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's leaders on, on this podcast right now that are listening to us and they're saying, you know what, I, I, I keep dealing with relational problems in my staff. I keep dealing with uh, issues that are related to mentors in my life. And then I have, you know, people that I'm overseeing that aren't necessarily following me very well. Talk about that issue of alignment and what you discovered there, because I believe it's one of the keys to effective leadership. And it really ties into the sonship message. Yeah, and I think even the top, we talk about leading from sonship. What happened with me, and, and you can't even describe it, when I, I came into an alignment with Papa Jack, he became my spiritual father. I didn't go public to say that. But it's interesting, there was six years since Randy Clark had prayed for me. So that was in 95. Randy didn't know he had prayed for me. Nobody knew. That story was not out. I had just left evangelical. But it, after I became a son and came into an alignment with Papa Jack, I'm in a meeting in Hickson, Tennessee, Central Baptist Church. Bishop Joseph Galling, we were just together last week, or two weeks ago, excuse me. And then uh, the bishop just out of nowhere, there's this Leif Hetland, 3,000 people in this room, and I ended up in the front. And this uncommon favor that happened. After that, somebody tells Randy about me. He is in Brazil, and Randy calls me. Hey, this is Randy. I'm in Brazil totally independent. I'm in Mozambique a few weeks later and suddenly my hotel get painted and it smells, we get sick. I end up in this little British hostel, I mean, yeah, like a bed and breakfast. This lady walks in and it's Heidi Baker. I could just go on and on. So within six months, Bill, Bill Johnson, I'm speaking evangelical church. He is at another charismatic church and say, hey, could you, there's this guy named Bill Johnson. Could you guys do a meeting together this evening? And both of us had different services. All of these things started to happening. And I think that there is an element of when, when you're finding the rest in your sonship and the identity, and you can call it also your tribe and your family. But for me, I cannot even describe what happened, but it's almost like, and I still remember, I was wondering why did my name get called up? And the question was there. And it's almost like I said, when you don't need it, you can be entrusted with it. And it was almost everything that I had wondered until this point. But when I had sonship, I came into an alignment. It's almost like with covenant, there's also covering. It's like an umbrella of protection. 
that is also part of that. And I'm not talking about unhealthy. I am talking about I just can internal alignment, like the relationship, the grace that is on my life. Because this is not an independent. It's not like Leif is so great and he has so much favor and all those things that is happening in the Muslim world. No, it is all connected to from the relationship I have with you, that I have with Bill, with Randy and Heidi. It's all their special sauces, that all these things that I've access to that would have taken me a lifetime. I can't describe it, but it's these graces, the different in accounts because I'm part of family. I'm part of a family of families. Wow. And when I'm in that, when that alignment happened, it was never said that Papa Jackson, well, this is my son now. It just happened in the spirit. Before then, I can't describe it for six months. What took me years, I tried to get done. It didn't get done. And I'm not saying it happened that quickly. But for me, there was something that took place. It's almost like when I found my resting place, certainly other people found their resting place. Wow. Wow. And what did, and rest- that, what did that look like, Leif? Because... Obviously, um, you came into a relationship and you decided to attach your heart to this man as a father in the Lord. Is it Was it as simple as that or was there more to it? Yeah, well, I say the first six years because I don't think there was a lot of forerunners. So the first six years from 99 to 2005, to some degree, I, I didn't know how to be a son. I was looking more a father in the sense of mentor and covering and that's what I was looking for when yeah. Papa Jack became my spiritual father. But while I mentioned when all my ship got shipwrecked, that time I came out of my brokenness and the only one that survived was sonship. I went to Papa Jack and said, Papa Jack, and I know this sounds strange, but I said, I don't need a spiritual father. I, and I want to repent. I want to apologize because I put the expectation of what you were supposed to be to me instead of just what I will be for you. Oh, I'm no. going to... I'm just going to be a son to you. And it doesn't matter. I call him every day. It didn't matter if he called me back or not. I started. And I don't want to say people should call me. I'm just, no, I need it in my life because the calling of what God had for my life, I need to be a son before anything else because God is raising up these people that are coming into my life. And I don't want just orphans or sons and daughters of blessings, but I need to be a son of inheritance myself to be stewarding what the father has paid for and to be able to steward that legacy. So when that shifted in my life, God started to send me healthy sons and daughters that came into my life. And I had a vision for my father's dream. Suddenly all these people came in with vision for my dream. And this ripple effect just started to happen in the nation. I can't explain it except for in the sense of the natural. I'm just saying there was something that in the early days, there was no direct model. And one more statement. I remember I asked Papa Jack, Papa Jack. Because he's all, anyone that knows Jack Taylor, kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. That was what it was all about. And then I said, Papa Jack, what does the kingdom look like? That was in 2000. He said, son, I do not know. But all I know, it will only be entrusted to family. I said, Papa Jack, what does family look like? He said, I don't know, son. We have not yet seen here on earth how the family in heaven looks like. And I started, I didn't know conscious, but in the next six years, all I was looking for, what does family look like? That yeah. was not my calling. My calling was nations. But what I did is I got me a vision for my father's dream without knowing it. 16 okay. years into this, 2016, we're in the Philippines with a thousand of my young leaders worshiping extravagantly. And the glory of God just filled that room up. The glory came in. And Papa Jack was there. And tears flowed down his face. He looked towards me and said, son, that's what the kingdom looks like. Wow. And I just, I didn't know I had done that. But I'm realizing now that... 
my father was dreaming, it was a seed. Now he saw a tree. Now that is becoming a force. So even while he is in heaven right now, what I did was also in this little Norwegian heart, in this soil, I had mm -hmm. a seed of somebody else and, and I started to nourish that. I didn't know what it looked like, but God gave me some Philippine. I got to practice this within the micro. And now the byproduct of that is sons and daughters taught the whole world. In 22 countries, we have a healthy family now. And that's what the kingdom looked like. That was not my dream. The family is still with Papa Jack, just making a statement. So if you say, what is your dream life? Nations. What do I have today? I have all these people have a vision for nation, but that's, I didn't look for them and try to, hey, here's, have a vision for my dream. No, what happened when I started to have a vision for my father's dream, God started to send me all of those people that have a vision for my dream. And this ripple effect started to take place as a byproduct of that alignment. Now the assignment is just flowing from that place. Wow. That is incredible. Wow. Well, let's end on that note. That's phenomenal. Why That's don't you so just pray good. us out? Could you just Thank release you. a blessing on anyone who's watching right now and, and anyone who watches in the archives in the future? Yeah, this has been profound, amazing. We are so grateful for you giving us this uh, amazing amount of time with our hub gathering and now with the podcast. Thank you so Thank much. You so much. Mm. And we just look forward to connecting and partnering into the future. So let's pray. Go ahead. Father, I just wanted to honor you as a good, good Papa. I thank you for a God that loves this world so much, a Father that loved this world so much that he will give his only begotten Son. But I also thank you for you, Jesus. Well, the only begotten Son that you will leave the Father and come down to this very place and saying, I will not leave you as an orphan, but I will come to you. I thank you, Jesus. You didn't come just to save us from something, but to something. You yes. came to bring us back again to family. I thank you, God, that you are a family. And I thank you even for the spirit of adoption that says, Abba, Father. So even when the spirit came upon Jesus, it was the spirit of adoption that came upon him, where then he was affirmed by the Father and anointed by the Spirit, led into the wilderness to be tested. For anyone that is out there now being tested, oh, I just ask that you are going to have the affirmation of the Father and the anointing of the Spirit to rest upon you, knowing who you are and whose you are, and that you will come out of the wilderness full of the Spirit and says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me. And in the of bad news, I got good news. So Father, just release now over this leader's alliance for this family of families throughout the world. I just ask there's going to be a tsunami wave of love just coming in over yeah. us. And that the world out there is going to see who we are by the way we love one another. I ask this that God the Reformation will touch every marriage, every child, every prodigal to bring them home. I ask the transformation of the churches that will go from orphanages, from factories to become healthy kingdom family so that the harvest that can come in. I thank you, Father, for the tears in this season that is going to produce rain. As we're seeing right now, Father, that all over the world, creation is just moaning and groaning for the manifestations of the sons and daughters to be revealed. And we are saying yes. We are saying yes to the spirit of adoption where we say, Papa, Papa, Father, I thank you for Michael and Diane. I just thank you for who they are and how they are stewing what you have given them and for the wonderful opportunity that I have to bring my little special sauce to their family table. Nice. I bless the rest, the rest, the rest of your life. That's internal and external. 
just an array of different free teaching for you to just be able to give you. But we also want to invite you into becoming a member and really joining our tribe and being with us. We also have uh, some e-courses that are just uh, amazing. Found Kingdom Leadership Foundation course. It's really a lot about this issue of sonship. It's a lot about the internal. It's a lot about destinyfinder.com, how that works. But anyway, consider being a part of this and join us next week because we're going to have another amazing podcast with our friend uh, Peter Young. It's Pastor at Bridgeway Church in Denver, Colorado. So anyway, God bless all of you and bless we'll you hopefully guys. see you next week. Take care. <laughs>